Hello and welcome to the ASAP Weekly Monthly Zelda Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, um, I'm going with real names today, so my, my name is Robert and I'm joined by Matt. How's it going, Matt? Uh, it's going well. Um, first uh, podcast? Yeah, first first one we've ever done. We've never yeah, done never a podcast done. of any yeah, kind you know. with any people before, so I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how it goes. Um, I'm currently holding my microphone and I feel like I'm like on NPR radio. Like I could just whisper and then like a, you know, nice soothing tone for the rest of the episode. No, I'm going to add a little more energy here, we're, we're here to talk about Breath of the Wild. Yes. Matt, why did, why do we choose to start with Breath of the Wild? What was, what was the reasoning behind this here? Uh, the reason for choosing Breath of the Wild is that, you know, Tears of the Kingdom comes out, you know, in like less than two weeks. So, um, and unlike a lot of Zelda games, you know, if this was if Breath of the Wild was coming out in two weeks, I wouldn't say, well, we have to do Skyward Sword. My opinions about Skyward Sword were not changed by Breath of the Wild. Um, Breath, but Tears of the Kingdom is a direct sequel to Breath of the Wild, so uh, you know, as we play that game, we might realize, oh, you know, this part of Breath of the Wild kind of sucked, but they fixed that, or like man, going through this again, I just really feel like this was a problem in Breath of the Wild. Like, and a lot of that will be covered in our eventual like coverage of Tears of the Kingdom, so doing Breath of the Wild afterwards will just be kind of repetitive. You can't I don't, talk I don't about... repetitive, but we, like, we definitely, I think, it would affect our, our view of Breath of the Wild, right, where it stands out. And, like, I think it would affect th- how we mm-hmm. talk about it, and also, like, you know, anything we say about tears of the kingdom will be prefaced by breath of the wild yeah it's a good starting point i think for a podcast those by the way so maybe i can't explain this much the, the plan for the podcast is you, you'll kind of see the format as we go through this particular episode um but we're gonna we're gonna do kind of a show on breath of the wild here uh then we're gonna do a show on tears of the kingdom we're gonna call it the first look show uh then a month later we'll do a, a we'll say tears of the kingdom proper and then the future of the podcast after that will start at the very first Zelda games and kind of work our way through every game. Um, some games will require two episodes to go through, um, especially games that there might be backstory or lore that we might, might want to uh, dive into a little more. We'll do some part ones, part twos. Um, there'll be, there might be some episodes that we combine two games together. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking at, you know, the first couple of games, maybe. We'll see. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> uh, spoiler alert. I'm probably not going to go through the adventure of Link. I'm probably just going to look at that stuff in passing. I That's another thing. We're going to probably have to decide what do we consider, like, mainline Zelda games and not, right? Um, I mean, okay. Mm-hmm. To be fair, Adventure, like, Legend of Zelda 2 is a mainline Zelda game. It's not a great mainline Zelda game. It, but it is, and it has its influences on the rest of the games. So I, I think it's worth definitely maybe just combining those episodes. Um, yeah. Just, just, just so it's there. But yeah, that's kind of the format of the podcast. We have another um, host who we've never talked to on a podcast before called Tristan. Um, he's a friend of Matt. Um, and he, he, I don't know, he'll just, he'll be around whenever he's around, you know? Yeah, he, he wanted to be here today, but uh, some stuff came up. So we're just going to shoulder the load as it were yeah um, yeah, yeah. he's but since like, this is our 
Oh, you're, you're, oh you're, was... Matt's, Matt's already ready to go. He's already fired up to. to oh, I've been looking here. forward to this. Uh, but I was gonna, you know, I was gonna make some like uh, witty, witty side banter comments that you'd normally get from Tristan. You know, kind of, kind of to get that feel of it. I was just gonna say, um, he's kind of like you know your mystery guest that appears every so often, uh, and then disappears, and then you like, you know, he's gone long enough so for you to really want him back. You know, that's I think that's kind of his play. Yeah. You know, <laughs> scarcity. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, wanna, um, yeah, do you want to get into here? Well, I just wanted to get into, you know, this is our first podcast of this nature, so it's probably a good idea for us to kind of lay down some of our credentials, as it were. Oh, I think that's fair. I think that's very yeah. fair. Yeah. Well, you what know, do you want to start with here? <laughs> we're we're going to ask people to listen to two people on the internet talk about Zelda for an hour every month. We might as well explain, you know, how much we know about Zelda. Um, I consider myself like a deep fan of zelda so um my history with the game is goes all the way back to ocarina of time on the n64 uh that was one of my first video games uh like very first um and while i was only like i was only like four at the time or something like that uh four or five um when it came out and uh, it scared the crap out of me, like the bosses and whatnot. So mm. I had my, so my mom had to do all the bosses and dungeons for me and my sister. <laughs> but like, you know, all the in between stuff. Oh, yeah. we love to do that. And you know, over time, I eventually became of an age where I could go fight giant dinosaurs the size of like uh, a small building. But you know that wasn't four year old me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, yeah. Any any kind of other tidbits? I, I'm sure we'll we'll explain. Oh yeah, the, uh, uh, Matt lore. I've I've played pretty much I think every single Zelda game that has come out since then uh, to completion. Well. I I think uh, it's a good thing that we have you on the show because uh, no one can you know. I've played that we're not researched here. <laughs> yeah, I played Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, uh, into Wind Waker, uh, Four Swords Adventure, Minish Cap, uh, Link to the Past. I I went back and played. I played Link to the Past on the uh, Game Boy Advance when it came out. Uh, like I've, I've you know both the Oracle games. Uh, while I wasn't able to like play Zelda all that much on the N64 when it was like the super realistic 3D graphics, you know, for the time, um, <laughs> I played the heck out of the Oracle games on my Game Boy Color. There you go. There you go. Um, I think maybe this will be a good time for me to jump in a little bit. My credentials. Um, uh, you know, I think Zelda specifically. I'm definitely what you'd call. Um, the bandwagoner mainstream uh <laughs> you know normie <laughs> um of the group here of the three of us um but i remember watching a lot of zelda actually like at friends houses growing up um so that that was a lot of fun um i think when it comes to the games i i only like the oldest game that i own is the 3ds uh ocarina of time mm. um that was uh, a good one. yeah and i played a little bit of it but i think um it's yeah it's one of those things where where it becomes an interesting mix of, of platforming and then like if you hadn't played a game um like when it was first released and then you're going back to it 
And that can be kind of hard sometimes, I think, difficult, especially when you have newer games to compare to. And then, you know, speaking of my like, I'm, I'm definitely like the the bouncing off the the voice of the the non Zelda fan on this podcast. But um, <laughs> my yeah, my most recent experiences, I've just been uh, well, just like, I think half a year ago now, but uh, Breath of the Wild. So um, that was really my my big thing. I mean, that's probably why I got a switch. So was that and couple other games but that was like the first game when i got the switch i was like this is the game that i kind of want um to play on it and so i have a lot of thoughts on that i have a general knowledge of open world games i think i've probably in this part of my life in the last two years i've definitely played a lot more single player games in general um like recently um i've been playing through uh the, the hogwarts legacy kind of that same structure actually breath of the wild a little bit and i can make comparisons not make comparisons but i just have more of a general knowledge there um so yeah i think i think i think it'll help especially uh i think matt will take the lead very much on this podcast because he he knows all the all the all the things <laughs> yeah i know all the things um but i think it'll be nice because i'll be able to you know crack jokes when i can and then other times be the voice is trying to kind of bring everything back together which i think matt and i have I think we'll be pretty good at kind of intertwining those. Yeah, players. and like it's a, it's a nice thing to have a nice counterbalance because you can maybe uh, you know talk me down when I when I'm like gushing about something about Zelda, and you could also like you know maybe be a voice of reason when I'm very angry at a specific game. Well, I think I think this is where it'll be super interesting. Is where there'll be certain things that Zelda specific fans might be super angry about. And that would be like, yeah, that's not a big deal. I think that's that's really um, a big. That'll thing that also happen. be huge. Yeah, yeah. because uh, you yeah. know when you play a mm-hmm. game for the entire formative years of your life, you build up expectations. I mean, yeah, yeah, you do. Um, <laughs> no, no, I think I think this will be good. And then as well, it's like, by the way, I was just thinking of like my level of commitment. I think since Matt's pretty much played all the games um you know he won't have to go back to play them for me myself i'll only play be playing tears of the kingdom so i'll get that upon release um but otherwise um i have sky Star. i actually have a couple of like the remakes um so maybe maybe when we get to those i might um look into it oh, i guess with remakes we'll we'll kind of pick and choose if we're just gonna do yeah i think we'll probably just do one episode right and we'll just yeah the zelda have... remakes tend not to be like drastic is it's not like uh you know what what's that collectible monster series called again you know the one that tends to put out high quality remakes that like, no idea what you're talking changing. about yeah um, no idea. but but they might make remakes that are a little more on uh you know where, where it's like actually worth a whole episodes to uh kind of review them right um, exactly but... the zelda remakes tend to just be like hey we shortened the tingle side quest Oh, well, okay, and I'll say added this much. way more bloom <laughs> for Skyward Sword. At least, like, swing your sword around is a lot easier. So there you go. Yes, because uh, um, you just move your your thumbstick. Anyway, I I'll get to that when we review Skyward Sword. So I'll play a little. I more will of game. get yeah. to that when we get well, when we, we get to Skyward. Yes, Sword. we've talked in the past about um our our thoughts or not thoughts on the original versus the remake versus is it even worth it anyway? Um, but I'm sure we'll get to that uh, once we get to Skyward Sword episode. Actually, that's that's another thing that maybe we can discuss right now. Um, are we... I, I, my original plan is to kind of play through them in release order. Um, do you have any I think that maybe try chronological instead or not really? Like you mean according to the timeline? Yeah, according to the timeline. Or then, oh, then no, 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 no. 
Okay, so I think we're, we're in we're, agreement we're not here. Gonna, yeah, just release order makes the most sense. <laughs> It'd be funny if, if uh, you know, some people started listening to the show and then the things they got mad at was which ep- like which ep- which game we did next because <laughs> they're arguing over the time. We just get to the <laughs> we we do it by timeline. We just get to Ocarina of Time and we have like three different episodes that end three different ways. One of them is just Whoa. like I died and then the game ended. <laughs> that, that's some, there's some meta commentary there. That's great. Uh, <laughs> let's get into Breath of the Wild, which I'm going to start off right at the bat, even before we talk about the game, to say that I thoroughly enjoyed my experience with the game. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll just I'll throw that right out the bat. Um, maybe I'm sure, like as we go, there'll be some things we're a little more critical of. Um, but I will I, I will say yes. for my initial thing. Yes. Breath of the Wild is some of the finest first 150 hours of game I have played. And then has some of the worst past that 150 hours. Okay, so okay. we already... Okay, so we, you, you have my thoughts, you have mass thoughts, and we'll see it by the end of the episode. Because um, we usually do... I think we'll, we'll do like some concluding thoughts. We'll see if any of these things change. Because that's, that's another experience. It's a journey of, of, of self... Uh, Reflection yeah, you know, a little bit. Don't too. get me wrong. I love Breath of the Wild, but there's some things that I hate in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> okay, uh, Matt, do you want to give like a little synopsis as to like uh, the main kind of plot of the, of the sh- of of the game, and then sure, I'll talk so... about the mechanics after maybe a little bit. Yeah. So there's honestly not a lot to go into for the story of Breath of the Wild which is one of the problems with Breath of the Wild, uh, or one of the strengths to some people. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to the presentation, which I wasn't a big fan of, but I'll get into that. Uh, So starting off, uh, Link wakes up in a mysterious chamber, hearing the voice of Zelda saying he has to wake up, and then you uh, go leave the chamber that you're in, you get a little iPad, um... You get a big sweeping shot to the tutorial area, go talk to an old man, do some tutorial stuff, a lot of talking to the same old man. Um, you finish the tutorial, He's he reveals he's actually the ghost of the King of Hyrule. Zelda's locked in Mortal Kombat for the last hundred years with Ganon. Um, and you've been in like a recuperation coma for the last uh, century. Uh, and you need to go Kill Ganon, save her. Um, that's the basic plot. Uh, really, the absolute base of the plot, um, because you this is a legitimate playthrough, is you then go to Hyrule Castle, save <laughs> Zelda, and then the game ends. Um, now, there's a lot more story that you can find in the world uh, through the form of these memories, uh, where you kind of like... You, you have a picture, uh, and you have to go find where that picture was taken, and then you'll find a memory there, and you can watch a cutscene that happened in the past. Basically, Link was a, you know, a Hyrulean knight assigned to guard Zelda. Zelda in this game uh, is far less confident than she is in other iterations. She's... I, they, listen, I'm not saying... They they were like, okay, we're doing this new, you know, whole new world, open world style game. Uh, when it comes to the plot, we're going to do um, Knight in Shining Armor <laughs> saves the princess and defeats the big bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but yeah, you know, the Zelda in this game, she's far less confident than she normally is. She's having trouble tapping into her like Zelda powers. She's trying to live up to these expectations. Zelda actually has like a lot of character that is developed in these cutscenes. That's true, actually, and, which and, is and growth, right? Like in, in as a character itself. Yeah, it, it's kind of weird because you would think that like these are Link's memories. We're going to find more about Link, but it's all Zelda's character development. Zelda is honestly the protagonist of Breath of the Wild. Isn't Zelda the protagonist of every game though? No, I, I, I'm just I'm just being facetious there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's no. in the title. <laughs> like, Link is always historically a mute. His name, Link, I don't think it was originally the idea behind his name, but, like, it has kind of become, like, uh, this idea that Link is supposed to mean, like, he's the link between the player and the world. Um, and the past and the future, and then this continued reincarnation is happening throughout the whole all the stories. <laughs> yeah, 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 but, like, no, like, the... They they say like the origin of his name is that like he's he it's supposed to represent how he's a stand-in for the person playing the game. He is our link to that world. Um, but like other games have a lot more development for Link. Uh, we're kind of in a start this game in like an immediate in media race. Like Link's already had his development. He's ju- he just kind of got knocked out for a century and needs to go pick up his stuff. And well, then... yeah, what I'm curious about, just like, I'm just going to stop right here because I have this question for you. For someone who, like, went to this game kind of a little less kind of clear on the lore of the game, do you feel like this portrayal of Link and this portrayal of Zelda would be, like, a good enough kind of initiation into the world? Like, this is a, like, a lot of the other incarnations of Zelda. I would say mm-hmm. Link is a good introduction to other versions of Link. Like I say, he doesn't get a lot of development, but he's he basically just starts the game as like end of game Link would be in like any other setting. He's end game uh, Link. <laughs> yeah, because normally a Zelda game starts with like Link in his pastoral life before the crisis happens, and he goes and steps up and becomes a hero and inherits the Triforce of Courage and defeats Ganon. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually don't learn how Link became like the chosen hero. In Breath of the Wild, he just kind of like Zelda's just like, yeah, this is Link. He's already the chosen hero, and I'm mad because like I'm trying to live up my expectations, and this guy does it effortlessly. Like, Link doesn't have any growth in this game. Well, I mean, because I'm gonna like throw out this argument. This is like the, and this is just a general like single player argument. Is the, um, you know, creating this somewhat blank slate that you put yourself into, right? Like that's. You know, it's it's literally it's literally anime one oh one. Like Oh yeah, you know no, I mean? no, no, no. Like that's that is what that's what I was saying earlier. That's what Link normally is. It's just Breath of the Wild t- kind of takes it a step further. So normally in Zelda games, Link kind of develops into being a hero and Zelda's already this like uh sage uh power and like she has all these mystical abilities. They kind of flip the script in in uh, Breath of the Wild a little bit, where Zelda has all this development to like figure out herself and tap into her power and uh, build her self confidence and whatnot. While Link just starts out the hero of ages and he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, yeah. Keep it, going. It's oh. like mm-hmm. to answer. I'm just answering your question on like, is this a good starting point? 
yes and no. You get a good idea of like what Link is in the final incarnation. You get a little glimpse on how Zelda normally operates. I actually really like this Zelda um, because we get to see more of her development. Skyward Mm. Sword does a similar kind of thing, trying to have some more development for Zelda. And we'll get into that when we talk about that game. But um, yeah, so like Zelda's a very different here than how she's normally portrayed um but yeah you know through the cutscenes, you find out about like these various different champions one from each of the races you know the rito the gorons the uh gerudo and the uh zora um and uh you go and it you know they were all Basically, a hundred years ago, the Kingdom of Hyrule excavated all these like robots that were used in a past age to defeat Ganon. Because Zelda's just like, well, I can't tap into uh, my divine power, but I'm a huge nerd and I can like <laughs> archaeology my way out of this problem. Um, and they have these like giant divine beasts, which are these like giant lumbering animal robots with lasers um, that are that could be used to defeat Ganon. Unfortunately, when Ganon comes back, he just, like, mind-controls all the robots and destroys Hyrule. And that kind of causes a little bit of angst to Zelda. We don't see a lot of it, because, again, it's just a flashback. Um, and so we learn what happened in the past. We learn about the champions. We avenge their deaths. We uh, conquer the divine beasts and purge them of Ganon's corruption. We go Hyrule Castle. We fight our way through the hordes of enemies there. Really epic sequence, by the way. We'll get to that. Um, we go, we fight Ganon. The Divine Beasts fire their lasers at him, obliterating half his HP. Uh, we fight him. Then there's a big thing in a field with a giant shadow boar. We'll get to that uh, in the gameplay section. Um, we take that down. Zelda says, you know, we did it, and the game ends. Yeah, and honest... I mean, yeah, yeah. What are your thoughts, Matt? What are your honest so thoughts? So my, my overall thoughts on the story is that it's an interesting attempt to fix, like, the problem with an open world game with a story, which, like, a lot of people often, you know, with The Witcher 3, for example, people are like, oh, yeah, I'm off playing Gwent while my daughter's still missing. This is <laughs> ludonarrative dissonance. But, like, I don't think it was a... I don't think it was a perfect solution to the problem of open world and storytelling. Uh, because if you don't view the memories in order, they can be a bit disjointed and random. And um, also, the memories are just more interesting than the plot that's happening in the actual game. And like, I forget where I first heard this, but like, something that I like fully believe on, believe of. Yeah believe in storytelling is if you're telling uh if you're telling a story that is more interesting than the plot you're currently going through why is your story not about that (laughs) that's true that's totally true um i'm just gonna jump in the story here a little bit i think it was i think like maybe from like a feel perspective of like you're playing through all this right um i think one of um one of the things you kind of figure out or kind of happens here because of it is that uh, like I by like the third 
what is it? Um, great uh, divine beast, right? You're you're kind. You've kind of explored everything, right? And you're just finishing divine beast, beast, and then you're kind of getting into end game um, of the story. Um, I think there's something about the feeling that like the four divine beasts was a little much, but it's also something that forced you to explore the different areas, right? So there's kind of this in between behind that. Um, but I think that's also like maybe like because you you talked about the first 150 hours when you're when you play through 150 hours, where were you at like on your your side of things here? So 150 hours, I think, covers you know roughly you know as you're saying like once you take down the last divine beast. You've kind of explored everything. So uh, it's, it's after 150 hours, but you don't like the kind of final sequence of actually beating the boss, or is it just post game that you're you're kind of? I I like the sequence of fighting the boss. It's just that like by the time you've reached 150, it, it's not like a it's not a distinct line like at this plot point things go downhill. It's just at about 150 hours, you'll have maxed out a bunch of stuff. You'll have figured out how to break cooking by accident. Um, <laughs> like, just by, by the sheer amount of times, you know, we'll get into, we, we might as well, like, touch a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's, get into, let's here. get into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, the end game, uh, so Breath of the Wild is broken, like, numbers-wise, in the end game. Mm-hmm. Um, food is solved by uh hearty meals so like cook anything put a mushroom put a like a truffle in it it is now a max heal uh you can pause the game at any point and eat something and if you have full health you cannot die in a single hit okay so you're saying all these things like these are bad things i'm gonna be honest i had a like it was almost impossible for me to beat the final boss and i think and this is honestly like the big thing for me i actually wanted I didn't mind it being somewhat easier because if I took a break of a month or two, <laughs> then, then I forget how to do everything. Um, but I think that has to do with maybe my mentality in these games, right? Like, no, that's I, fine. That's mm-hmm. why you're here. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So for my playthrough, by the mm-hmm. time I like reached the end of the game and explored everything, you know, I, I was functionally immortal because i could not die did you, did you so find m- the uh the the ones that could give you like the i mean this is this is obviously i looked this up online so i'm i'm the i'm the worst mainstream bag and bandwagoner cheater that you can possibly find but um where you could like make the uh, there's like fruit or whatever where it was like it gave you extra lives <laughs> you could just like there was like one area in the tropical like area where like the dragon is right where oh, you yeah. could just get this fruit and then like that's how i beat the final boss <laughs> like just having a million of those <laughs> oh no i didn't i didn't have those as i was saying before like uh if you put like a truffle or anything that would make a meal into a hearty meal a hearty meal increases so, so you just had a bunch of that so you just kept healing essentially yeah as, because as if you're at game. full health you can't if you're at full health, any attack will reduce you to a quarter of a heart. They made it there so you that you, they made it so that you can't be killed in one hit. So if you're at one, if you're at full health, you'll be knocked to a quarter of a heart. You pause the game, eat a hearty meal, you're back up to full. I had a hundred hearty meals. I could not die. Okay, so so my theory is is uh, this is where you made your mistake here. All right, you have to go in with not enough of everything, <laughs> and be like, because I'm unprepared, now I have a fun time. 
fun challenge. Well, like that. I mean, that's the problem because the game is all about like make sure you're prepared and take time to like cook yourself meals and like you know they have all these mechanics in place to have you like collecting all this stuff and like make sure you're brewing potions and whatnot. And if you engage with those systems, the game breaks. That's that's interesting, right? Like maybe, and that can just be like the nature of how I play the game, right? Like yeah, that where that experience was different for. And to be fair, like I, I did find some burnout, especially like very, very near the end. Um, like because um, I, I think when a, I was there's a deeper issue as well. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll let you get on the point. I'll just finish my point here. Um, sure. That I th- I think I think like as I was playing it, um, there was kind of a point where like the most fun you have in the game for me is like a lot of the, like random exploring stuff. Oh, yeah. um, but there's a certain point where you've discovered a lot of the map where you don't get to enjoy that as much, you know? Yeah, like these all happen around the same. These all happened around the same time to me, which is why I say like first 150 hours, brilliant, and then it just fell off a cliff for me because I ran out of stuff on the overworld that I was just like, I can go there next. I haven't seen anything there, and then I'm just then I'm trying to find stuff, but it's like, nope, found that, found that, found that, found that. I don't want to pull up a guide. I don't want to like try to go through things uh, like that. Um, the other big issue is that the numbers in the end game do not scale well, and that's because mm. so uh, the way attack and defense. I'm going to get really into the technical. No, no, this is we're here for the weeds, okay? Because listen, I'm going to go on a rant near the end of this thing about. Uh, the the revolution that this game was all right and i'm sure i'm sure where a lot of people feel that but we yeah. need to we need to we need to get to the crux of yeah maybe the, where yeah, it let, been let's better, let's yeah. get into all the stuff that matt doesn't like about breath of the wild so that matt can just lean back and enjoy and talk about all the reasons why i love this game um so attack and defense in this game the way they work is pure linear scaling what i mean by that is if you have 12 defense you get hit by a 13 damage attack, you take 1 damage. Does that make sense? I'm with you here. I'm, I'm listening. I'm here. Yep. Cool. It's abstract in the game with like quarters of hearts, but think of a quarter of a heart as like 1 damage. Mm-hmm. The problem with this system is that um, it results in extremely swingy damage numbers. Because as you okay. as the numbers get bigger, so let's say I, so so it works pretty well when I have five defense. Because if you hit me with a ten damage attack, I take. Uh, if you hit me with something that's double my power, you deal five damage to me. If you do hit me with something half my power, uh, you do no damage to me. But you always take one damage from an attack. There's never a zero. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, if you get up to, like, 80 defense, well, now, now like, the scale is different. So if you hit me with a 160 power attack, I take 80 damage now, and I'm just <laughs> dead. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it teeters on, like, as you're playing, it has, like, there's, like, a moment where, like, every fight is really close. Or no, it feels like it starts actually quite difficult. Some of the battles, right, where yeah. you're not you're underprepared. Then it teeters on that, like you're very close, and then there's a point where either through you know, 
you everything either up, does or... nothing to you or yeah. all your health and there's all... basically no between <laughs> and then but you also do that to other things right yeah. so um so it becomes like just and then then you know i don't want to talk about like I, i'm not going to talk about like uh the the expansion too much right but like the like the dlc they had but like there's literally a mission that's like you have this thing and if you get hit you die it's like here's here's the challenge for the hardcore players <laughs> that's, oh yeah that's no, I, I, like. I went through the whole dlc so i can talk yeah, about yeah. that um no but like that's that's the problem with how the numbers work in the game is that like by the end of the game every fight is just you do nothing because like it becomes 80 damage 80 defense becomes the threshold to threaten me Mm -hmm. so um enemies have to be able to do at least 80 damage and if they do much more than that i just instantly die so and then you run into problems that armor has different values at max upgrade capacity so like if you have uh like the heavy plate mail that is a lot more defense than a lot of other armors so you have to balance around that because they can't have any they have to do it at least some enemy in the game has to do at least the defense value of the highest armor in the game or else you just wear that and you're invincible right Mm-hmm. But if you're wearing not that best armor, a difference of ten uh, uh, damage is like significant now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay, so maybe maybe with all this explanation, right? So your yeah, your big thing is is that this whole system essentially becomes broken at that point, where where you can't yeah. really play the game that it was kind of meant to be played. Yeah, it it just becomes like. Um, and like, you know, certain, certain white, I think white is the highest level of enemy, if I remember correctly, Mm -hmm. uh, certain white tier enemies just take insane amounts of damage to take down, which gets us into durability, uh, (laughs) because now, so like the idea behind the durability system, which works in the early game, again, grade 151st hours is that you know i have these uh weapons but like to force me to cycle through things and seek new weapons out they break after a point so you know i have this fun gameplay as i'm like using these weapons and i i'm constantly swapping them out for pretty decent replacements all the time Mm -hmm. but then you get into the end game and you've got like all these high-end enemies going around and you can't like you cannot kill uh, a Lionel with a stick. <laughs> um, bombs do great damage at the start of the game, but they never scale, so they oh, do 100%. nothing. Those they do nothing done. against high end enemies. Done by the end. <laughs> um, you can drop crates on enemies, and like that works in the early game. It doesn't scale into the end game. By the end of the game, you need these high end weapons, but they break all the time. So like you don't want to use them against the white enemies that they're designed to fight against because you can use, like, maybe... You can kill maybe, like, one of them with them, but you want those to kill the Lynels. Uh, and it just becomes this, like, massive arms race to, like, try to find weapons you can use to kill stuff. Um, because all your good stuff breaks all the time against the massive enemy HP boosts. <laughs> And, like, at that point in the game, you don't... 
outside of like Lynels or other enemies that have like rare drops that you need to upgrade your armor if you're still doing that. By this point you're probably set into whatever armor you're using. Um you don't need freaking Bokoblin drops anymore. Why would I ever kill a white Bokoblin? <laughs> I just to add since you kind of touched upon it here with the armor, I, I think there's a weird thing that happens in this game as well where what you want to wear versus what's like the most effective thing to wear you can't really you can't really do that and i mean i guess guess it's part of the game is to kind of like switch depending on environment right obviously like the swimming armor and and all that um the climbing armor was the climbing armor and stuff so i I don't mind that but i think there is something that would have been nice especially like from a customizable point of view um that you could uh look into yeah look at essentially look into um just being yeah like i think at the end of the game mm-hmm. at, i think at the end of the game i had like fully upgraded like ancient chess piece and like legs and then like a diamond circlet uh because mm-hmm. i hated the, i hated the look of the ancient helmets <laughs> they looked so bad um, <laughs> and uh i was wearing that just to, like have a lot of defense and like um yeah, so honestly, like the game just doesn't really scale well into the end game. And to kind of touch on the final boss a little bit, um, the final boss doesn't scale well into the end game. Uh, I I enjoyed the final boss fight, and I empathize with you that like you had a lot of trouble with it. But mm-hmm. like Ganon, as he exists, is on a teeter totter between like uh, impossible and uh easy to handle gotcha um because uh when you're fighting ganondorf your master sword uh is unbreakable and has double its power so you have a weapon that is capable of fighting him that's not an issue um but when you fight ganon uh if you have if you have not beaten all the divine beasts you need to defeat uh, any bosses you have not defeated yet in a boss rush. <laughs> and then you have to fight Ganon at full HP. And did if you manage you... to do that, Matt? Did you just not fight the, all the Divine Beasts? Did you run right No, right I did all there? the Divine Beasts. Like, I, 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 I went my way through and defeated all the Divine Beasts and uh, had a really epic time storming the castle on a motorcycle. Um, but uh, the opposite of uh hell grind death rush is <laughs> um you fight ganon at half hp because if you've defeated all the divine beasts you don't have to fight any of the bosses again you just go straight to the ganon boss fight the divine beasts all fire a laser at him and take off half his hp bar for you so like it's kind of insane. Like it just kind of, <laughs> like it's either like this boss rush and then a full HP Ganon or half HP Ganon. There's no middle ground between these two positions. <laughs> and it's... I find like yeah, and and I think I think you've made like probably the fair point, right? And I I think beyond all this, there's a certain part of me that feels like they specifically 
they specifically did not focus on that part of the game. And no, like, I don't know if that makes not. sense. It's like like to, this was secondary for for the whole game, like the the whole kind of premise of the game itself. For better. Or oh, worse. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and now we we can get into that a little bit if you want. Yeah, I want to get into that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I I think I've co- oh well. Let me just cover one mm-hmm. more thing to be negative about. For sure. Um. So as a Zelda fan, uh, one thing that is always been like a mainstay of the series is as you clear the dungeons you get new items and these items reward you for remembering places in the overworld or other plate or other dungeons or stuff like that uh where you saw an obstacle that can be only over uh overcome with this stuff say take bombs and bombable walls or boulders Mm -hmm. um and going to seek those out and you can find a reward breath of the wild gives you all the tools you'll need at the start of the game (laughs) and then there's no more progression from that well okay so okay okay no (laughs) to be fair to be fair to temper my own point you do get progression in stamina and hp and having more stamina means that you can climb to places more easily and you also get the ability to swim up waterfalls, which comes up like once outside of the main story. You can use it to skip directly to Ganon at the end of the game, mm-hmm. um, which don't do that. Like Hyrule Castle <laughs> is an amazing like sequence. Don't rob yourself of that by just. I don't know why they put waterfalls there. It just kind of like. Well, I, I, to be fair, like I when I when I went through it, it was such a, like a maze anyway. So I think I think like even when you use the like I I remember going up the waterfall and then end up like going downstairs because I don't know where I was going. Yeah, <laughs> I if, you, that if happened, you just so. take the waterfalls up, it takes you directly to Ganon. It's kind of weird, um, but like, yeah, really outside of some like very situational stuff. Um, and stamina, there's nothing else that's given to you past the opening of the game. And I felt like that's a bit of a missed opportunity. It causes the Divine Beasts to kind of feel kind of samey. Um, mm-hmm. They have their own unique mechanics, don't get me wrong. Um, we can get into that. Uh, but you just go there, you unlock the map, you punch a bunch of terminals, you fight a boss. That's what you do with every single Divine Beast. That's it. Um, you don't... Uh, there, there's nothing that you get halfway through the dungeon that changes how the dungeon like works. You're just linearly progressing through the dungeon um, for, for most of them. Like... The elephant, I think, has a couple, is mostly just, like, uh, a couple dissociated puzzle rooms that you just, like, you solve this one, get that terminal, solve this one, get that terminal. Meanwhile, the camel is this, like, long, drawn-out sequence that you, like, you solve this puzzle to get power there, like, it's this terminal that, but getting power there means you can get power here to get this terminal, like. It's one of those things where... Like once you beat one or two, you're kind of good. You don't know, like it, yeah, even like if they're they don't different, really change. You... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They change, but not in the ways that I like would like to see. Mm-hmm. You know, you contrast it, and we'll get into these in the other games. But like, let's take Twilight Princess for example, where like one time you're going through a mansion hunting hunting for um, potion ingredients for a yeti, 
uh, another dungeon. You're in this castle in the sky, like uh, zip lining around like Spider-Man uh, fighting a dragon. Um, the Temple of Time, you're escorting, you go all the way up to the top to then escort a statue all the way back down to the bottom. Um, even the bosses in Breath of the Wild all are just like, you know, Wind Blight Ganon and Water Blight Ganon. Um, <laughs> it's stun the boss, figure out a way, figure out the way to stun the boss and hit them. Um, mm. and a lot of the time you can just stun them by shooting them in the eye. Like they all have that weakness. <laughs> or they do more damage, like the like the eye does like significantly more damage. You kind of figure yeah. that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um you ne- you never like they have this whole mechanic to like change the dungeon using your map, which is a little clunky, but like I still appreciated it, but it never factors into the boss fight. No. Like there's no sequence in Waterblade Ganon where I need to direct the water flow of the dungeon. Um and I feel like that's just a it, it just it's not as satisfying as Zelda dungeons, which often like the boss feels like a final exam on what the dungeon's been teaching you. Mm. Um, like the dungeon will give you a tool, teach you how to use that tool, and then give you a boss fight where you then have to like use that tool to defeat the boss. Can you recognize when you need to use this tool to beat the boss? Yeah, and I, okay, and I think I think like I think we've kind of gone on this long enough a little bit here. Yeah. Um, but but it's it's just one of those things where I and I think where a lot of people like really appreciate this game. Is all the stuff outside of the boss fights, and I'm I'm kind of there too. Um, yeah, like yeah. in a lot of the times, like any of the kind of main story, like even even the challenging bosses, or like the ones that were challenging for me, I with this game, like this was meant to be kind of my like relax game, quote unquote. <laughs> so it when like there were times where it kind of felt like okay, I need to beat this boss to kind of keep the game moving, and I like I don't care to beat this boss like i'd rather just be exploring or doing yeah yeah no i i don't mean like they're not challenging i just wanted diversity oh no because it's it's like if they and i think one thing that they did well like if, if i can say is that um they at least were able to make it feel like the the pre like the mission the kind of we'll say the the world building maybe that's the right word of of the things happening before you actually get the boss is probably the more interesting thing part for the right? most part like where the they part. build some characters or you have the different like cultures kind of shown or the different uh, species I don't, right I, to this day i don't think the rito uh village was like finished it, it just felt like here's your in- tutorial <laughs> you know what i mean like, yeah it, it's just it's just like you get to the rito village and they're just like there's a big spooky bird mech in the sky. Like, oh, how is that affecting you? Like, the Zora in a perpetual, like, rainstorm and the desert's having sandstorms constantly blowing in. Like, and the and then, like, compare volcanoes that. going mm-hmm. nuts. What's going on in the in the mountains? Oh, nothing really. Like, there's this <laughs> one weird guy who's kind of annoyed about it. And you go talk <laughs> to the one weird guy and he's just like... I don't know. Can you hit a hit five targets in seventeen minutes? And you're like, yeah. And he's just like, I, I, I should have believed in you. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I I did like the target challenge, though. To be fair, I I actually really like that. But you're right. The the rest of it's kind of. Um, but I don't but I don't I know like... if I'm like just really good at video games. But that took me like I, fifteen I seconds. <laughs> 
I I think I think maybe because like this is this is where like like kind of speaking a little bit to my experience, right? Like I played a lot of like quote unquote esports games. You know what I mean? For the, yeah, yeah. for the last uh, greater bit here um, of time in my life, and I think there's like a very different skill that if you're someone who's played a lot of these single player games, like you're just so used to certain formats. That's fair. Um, and I think what Zelda does is for those who play kind of single player games, like it's relatively easier. Like you're kind of just, you know what to do exactly. Like, and this is where I'll do my analogy to the other single player game that I've been playing uh, a little bit, Hogwarts Legacy, right? Where in Hogwarts Legacy, it felt like, oh, this feels like an homage to every single single player game ever made. You know what I mean? Like we're just going to take all the things that people do in single player games, uh, like open world single, but also single player games. And we'll just have them, you know, like just in the game. Um, and and where like it has that feel, you know. And then when you're playing Zelda, it's like it has that feel, but it also has like a little bit of easy mode in there as well, because I think it's trying to create a more relaxed atmosphere. But it's it's you have to create novelty, because you can repeat the same you know like relative process, but there has to be something that's bringing the person where it's like, oh, I'm not just doing this repetitive task, right? That's fair. Well, difficulty of the target aside. Mm-hmm. You then just immediately launch into the Divine Beast like access mission, then you just do the Divine Beast. Mm-hmm. Like all of the other regions have these like long side. It feels quests. like it feels like endgame. They know. They know you're ready to go to endgame. Yeah. <laughs> I did like, that mission last. Like every other one has these like long sequences where you need to like go and do these things to like get the gear necessary. This one you like go talk to a guy, do a target practice, and he's immediately ready to take you there. And you're like I've barely, like, the mountain was, like, my least explored area when I was done the game, because, like, I just, <laughs> I just got there, and I finished the Divine Beast in, like, ten minutes. Well, not, sorry, I finished getting to the Divine Beast in ten minutes, that's what I meant to say. Um, and I was just kind of like, huh. So I don't, I, I, I think similar to, like, how the end of the game wasn't their real, like, focus, I don't think the Reno, like, yeah, line was finished. Yeah. And and I think that's the thing too is like when you start making these open world games, um, like scope you kinda, can get away from you. Scope can get away from you, and like time to create stuff can get away from you, right? Like you're with an open world game, you're kind of like expected for people to play to hundred to two hundred hours. Like that's kind of probably expected, right? Unlike yeah. some other games that that might be a lot shorter, right? Um, like thirty hour, like forty hour games, which I think is probably actually pretty standard for some AAA games. Uh, that time length but i think as soon as you do open world you really get into the the conundrum of like okay there's more stuff but does that actually make the game better or not right and yeah you know there's there's the other thing where like there's probably some and like you know for instance like the labyrinths on the edge of the maps and stuff like there's some stuff where i feel like oh this feels like more work has been put into this but it's not part of the main thing you know what i mean yeah you know i mm-hmm. love the labyrinths and like Honestly, okay, I'm done being negative. Yeah, let's I've let's go to uh, closing rant. closing positive time. <laughs> yeah, but 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 I think I think sorry before we go, I think your points are noted, right? Like those yeah. are some some key issues that would make this game like a 300 hour play game instead of a 100 hour play game, shall we say? Yeah, um, I love this game two bits because for when you start playing this game, there's so many ways you can go it's so it's so rewarding to explore like you always have a next goal Mm -hmm. like 
you see that tower in the distance and you, you're like, well, I can go climb that and get more of my map. But, oh, hey, look, there's a shrine here. I'm going to go take care of the shrine. Um, this bird is, like, singing a riddle. I can take care of that. And you, you always have that tower on the horizon. You're like, well, I can, I can go climb that. And then, like, every tower has, like, this uniqueness about it, like, that you need to, like, solve a different puzzle um different areas feel more or less like hospitable to you um i think there was like i forget the name of the tower it's the, it's the one in the northeast um near uh, i think hateno mm-hmm. um that one was like you had to like climb up this tall like mountain covered in like corruption filth and yes, like navigate yeah, yeah. your way through that and like enemies everywhere like great um going to the Zoro domain and like the rain is constantly happening and when it's raining you can't climb anything so you have to like go through this like long sequence of like <laughs> uh, being ambushed by monsters constantly it's this huge gauntlet and you can't get out of it um, and the Lizelfos all have like shock arrows which oh, yeah, explode yeah, yeah. in the rain like uh, you're desperately trying to get through this area um it's a real challenge uh you're constantly changing your weapons as you pick stuff up as your stuff breaks um you find a fairy who offers to upgrade your gear and you do it and you're like oh man i feel so much more powerful now and you feel you feel like you're now able to go into uh more dangerous areas and you do so but then like the enemies start scaling a little bit. Your armor's not uh, up to snuff. And you're like, well, I found one fairy. Can I find others? And you go trying mm. to find the other fairies. There's always another thing to do and another like threshold to reach. Like when I was talking about my problems with the scaling at the end of the game, you kind of run out of thresholds. Um, but like for the first 150 hours, like there's always something else some new threshold to achieve something else to get and like completing the divine beasts you get like um a hero power that recharges on uh, a time limit and some of these are quite powerful um they don't contradict my point earlier about like not really getting anything else to interact with the world uh because they tend to either be like combat focused or uh with the one exception Rivali's Gale uh honestly kind of breaking the game <laughs> <laughs> um but like I was you know I would have thought going to this game you know I would put a lot of my spirit orbs into getting uh heart containers but early on like I got to a reasonable number of hearts and then I just put everything into stamina um, and that because... that and do you yeah like the so that was a fun fun thing discovering you could switch your heart to the stamina back and forth oh yeah because um, i did I, that I used... to get the sword right yeah same i think everyone does because <laughs> <laughs> it was just like oh yeah i'm gonna get this many hearts i'm not doing that dem- that many uh of those uh temple missions <laughs> yeah um i can sacrifice some of my stamina for 10 minutes <laughs> uh it's just it's just so much fun there's just so many there's so many things hidden in the world there's all this care into these like challenges in the world that you find um 
even when you're jaded in, on the like high level of play that you might have reached, you can still go to that. Um, I can't believe I forgot its name, but it's the island where like you can't you have to use lose any... everything. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And like that's so refreshing. It's like you're starting the game over again, and like every, like when you start the game, like every fight you're going in, like how can I get like an advantage here because. Uh, you're fragile. Like, Link is the most fragile he's ever been uh, in any Zelda game at the start of Breath of the Wild. Mm-hmm. He's incredibly fragile. He has no equipment. Arrows are a premium. Um, <laughs> so you're, like, really scrappy in the early game. You're, like, trying... And, like, this is when bombs and explosives and dropping things on enemies, like, still works. So you're doing that, and you can do it to get like the advantage you need to uh, come out on top, and it's wonderful. And I think I think all these things is just like I just remember going through this game, and like even from the very first like beginning moments of the game when you kind of see the world, I think the way they kind of designed the cave, like just that start, makes this game feel so expansive. Yeah, um, like the first look I is love gonna go out. The, you know, the, the Great Plateau is wonderful because it feels huge, and mm-hmm. then you then like by the end of the game, you can't. It's you struggle to find it on the map. It's so small. <laughs> Everything is hard to find by the end of the game. I feel sometimes. <laughs> um, like the Great Plateau, and you know, uh, I love the temperature system in the game because you know. Uh, you'll find a biome that you can't like really get far into because you don't have the equipment. So you start trying to figure out where you can get the equipment to do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love Death Mountain because the the puzzle of trying to figure out how to get into Death Mountain without incinerating <laughs> uh, is great. I remember that. Yep. Because uh, like. I think you needed to go to a uh, one of the horse stations that was just outside the periphery to get the the heat resist potion. You needed to make that, drink it, so you could go in and buy like uh, the heat resist gear. Yeah, you need the gear at some point. And then in that like in those levels, I just remember being like, "Okay, I need the gear. I can't. I can't just keep trying to use potions here." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you had to like track down the gear, and like not all of it was for sale. You had to find a guy who was willing to sell you the helmet for like mm-hmm. I think twenty lizards. <laughs> so you're yep. on this like time limit trying to f- get all these lizards. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's also like yeah, it's it's also the best part of the game the fact that you're you're. You get all these like random. I think maybe there's like random mini moments you remember in this game, right? Story aside, um, you get a lot of things that are like, oh, this is just like a clever side thing that's happening that I'm really enjoying, and it's created through the mechanics of the game as opposed to maybe the story in the game, right? Yeah. What keeps you in this game is the constant kind of feeling of wonder or the feeling of ridiculousness sometimes, but where the challenges come from places you don't expect. I think they they do that very well, where like little puzzles. Like, unlike what we'll say maybe, like, in a lot of other Zeldas where, like, the puzzles are very clear sometimes. Yeah. The creativity with which you can solve a lot of these puzzles or, like, ways you can get... It kind of feels like you're breaking the game, but, like, it's kind of intended. There should be, like, three or four ways sometimes to get through certain parts. Yeah, the, um, the, so I like uh, the all puzzles that. are a bit looser. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that all the puzzles in previous Zelda games uh, are entirely clear how to solve. Mm-hmm. 
like um the earth temple basement in wind waker uh will live on in my head it's like this half an hour long mirror puzzle (laughs) amazing like the entire floor is just a giant mirror puzzle so you have to like do it backwards as well or is it just the the reflections well like it's it's reflect you have to like reflect the beam of light oh yes yes higher like floor to get the boss key (laughs) it's this giant puzzle i remember like going through that and it's just it's it's a lot <laughs> i think that's fair that you can say it's um, a lot. but yeah no like uh the shrines in this game are great there's some criticisms that others have levied against the shrines for kind of like some of them aren't nearly as fulfilling as others and like i kind of get that but at the same time i was always like excited to find like a new shrine and go through the puzzle and even if it wasn't like something revolutionary it still felt like a satisfying little like bite of content Mm -hmm. little change of pace you know um yeah uh no i think that's fair i i yeah if i could could i kind of give my like final yeah sure final thoughts here on this game um i think the sheer amount of i think novel like to redef like this is the game that kind of redefined i think the legend of zelda's genre if that makes sense um and somewhat somewhat so are would you argue then that like so when you're saying that right is that is that like a feeling of um essentially that like okay no it's actually kept a lot of those things that we hold true but it just feels revolutionary because of other things I say somewhat because, like, um, they have, you know, with the remake of uh, Link's Awakening, for example, mm-hmm. they have kind of revisited the idea of the old formula. And I do think there's a lot of Zelda fans who would be kind of sad mm-hmm. if Breath of the Wild became the new, like, forever genre Format. of Zelda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's the tough thing, like that they're really face like that's the thing that this is game game has kind of created, right? Where you have to now fight between okay, we've created all this like mainstream quote unquote Nintendo appeal, shall we say. <laughs> I, I um, think yeah, I think Tears of the Kingdom is really going to be like this big watershed moment. Mm-hmm. Cause it's either going to So like a lot of the stuff I touched on today with like my complaints about the story and the bosses and the dungeons uh, in particular, those were a lot of the highlights of the old Zelda games. Mm -hmm. Um, And if Tears of the Kingdom just doesn't reintroduce some of those elements, and to be fair, from the latest trailer, um, it seems like it has reintroduced a lot of these elements, like you see these big boss enemies that are unique, I assume. Um, I don't know, maybe we fight like four Gleox in this game. But, um, you know, we see Gleox in the trailer. We see uh, there was this other like sky serpent thing. Um, there's 
there there seems to be more like big spectacle fights and bosses in Tears of the Kingdom, and the possibility of like more, uh, you know, to borrow an MMO term, instance co- content like a dungeon, which is mm-hmm. like segmented from the open world in some way. Um, if they like build on that and reintroduce some of those elements, then I don't think Zelda fans will complain if this is the new format. It's just if it feels like all those are gone, right? Yeah, if 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 it continues on the track of removing those, which I don't think from what we see in Tears of the Kingdom, it, it is doing. I'm just speaking it theoretical. Mm-hmm. If it did remove those, then I think. Zelda fans would be a bit upset, like that this is the direction of the series. But overall, like Breath of the Wild is such a revolution in like open world design and f- player freedom and mechanic sandbox and whatnot that I don't think that the I don't think it would be a bad thing if this style of play continued because it's such a it's a it's a breath. A fresh oh, got him. <laughs> um, I was just gonna say, like to that point, um, I think like what you might lose though, if it is if it becomes more like some of the older games, is some of those new fans, right? So that's kind of the the, it's the uh, balance the in between. Have to hit. And I will say to this fact, like the reality is, I don't think I ever would have really gone into Zelda if it wasn't for this game, right? That's like fair. without Breath of the Wild, I wouldn't even be interested in doing this particular show. I'm gonna be honest, right? Like because it. I, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. I played a couple of the games a little bit, right? But I, it was nothing I grew up on, and I think on top of it, um, none of those other games necessarily stuck 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 out to me, um, yeah. perhaps. And then I, then I can't get in. Like now, I like I've watched enough, you know, map have videos about the lore that there's that <laughs> there's that other element um, that I'm into, right? But I don't think I would have even started kind of waiting my way into that if it wasn't for the breath of the wild game so that's kind of where it stands for me like to me it was like not just a fun zelda game but a fun game um and probably the one like one of the first like open world games i can quote unquote say i beat right yeah um so i, I think that has a lot to do with my enjoyment of it and that exploration yeah, I, probably I, mm-hmm. I i can't speak for all zelda fans but i don't think i don't think i would advocate for like going all the way back to having and going back all the way back to twilight princess despite how much i adore twilight princess and we will get into that twilight princess is my diamond and pearl uh oh wait sorry we haven't done another podcast so what am i talking about yeah what are you talking about <laughs> um i will say i will say it, it there is something to like maybe there'll be that split um like a certain pocket monster game uh where where like maybe at some point they'll have to be like okay this is like the hardcore zelda game and like this is the the next open world installation i mean like mario does it mario has like um mario has every which way you know (laughs) every mario has like the uh 3d world and the odysseys like there you um, go. So it, it does it does both and it's kind of a fan for both. And then then but to be fair, like Odyssey's the one doing better, right? So you know Yeah. But like And I wonder if that's just a revolution in like general game design where there's just like the feeling of freedom or like I watched this like one YouTube video once where someone like showed their their partner what um like to have them play video games even though they've like never played, right? And like the kind of the end of the video, they were like disappointed that you couldn't do the thing that you were thinking of wanting to do. Um, and I think if I were like to close out my opinions on like Breath of the Wild is that feeling of being able to think of something and then being able to do that in the video game, it does that very well. 
You know it what does, I mean? Yes. So I, I think that's it's probably greatest strength. All right. Any any final thoughts here, Matt? And I think we can probably close out our first ever uh, weekly, monthly, whatever Zelda episode. <laughs> um. No, I think I think I pretty much covered everything. Uh, Nintendo needs to hire better English voice casts. Is probably the <laughs> last like minor nitpick, but like I I didn't hate it as much as some other people did, but I know it was a sticking point for a lot of people. Um, and uh, yeah, no, like the Breath of the Wild really like showed a different way of handling exploration and like. A game I play a lot these days is I play a lot of Genshin Impact, which mm-hmm. really took a lot of stuff from Breath of the Wild. Yeah, like to the degree that when I first saw screenshots of Genshin Impact, <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was just some like game that was like literally just cribbing um, assets from you know you know how like some mobile game ads will have like stuff uh, pasted in from other games. I thought that was what it was at first, but obviously it's not if anyone listening has played genshin you know it's not um but uh it's just this really it's this wonderful experience to be able to say i wonder what's over that hill and you can go over that hill and there's something there there's always something over that hill that's that's perfect okay i'm gonna end it there i think uh, our thoughts are there our nitpicks are there i think we were uh Actually, more critical than I probably thought. Maybe not even more critical. Well, like, we spent more time you, on being critical. You're always That's going to spend to more time on being more critical because, like, because we're a professional podcast, all right? And we, yeah, and we I mean, like, serve I, the hard hitting opinions. I wouldn't all right? spend, I wouldn't spend 35 minutes or whatever it was criticizing a game if I didn't love it to bits. There's only so much positivity you can like extend outwards. It can't be fake, all right? We can't, I can't, can't just. Have that. I can't talk about how much I love something for 40 minutes. I just run out of steam and i just start repeating yeah it was great for what, what i will say what i will say minutes. and i think i think this will be interesting as we get kind of the show goes on maybe the big thing especially as tears of kingdom hits is that like when we do these episodes it'll be a lot more segmented like there'll be a lot more specific things to talk about um because i think with with the fact we'll do multiple episodes we'll be like okay what's the first things we've kind of been noticing and then we talk about those things right while i think what what we've probably realized in this is we had to cover a lot in in about an hour <laughs> you know yes. like this game you know if like if we really wanted to like go over like every segment of this game and like that's what we'll be able to do with like a certain a certain amount of the zelda games where oh, we'll be able I to i forgot to even talk about the dlc and and i don't think i don't think we're gonna really have the time to to go into it here i'm just gonna um, say dlc was fun the dlc was fun yes yes uh it added a dungeon that was actually really it's, cool. it's for the hardcores that's that's my opinion uh it, I got it, but it was not for me. But the I like sing- the single hit restriction is harder, is easier than it seems. But I understand that. Um, fun dungeon, cool motorcycle, fun boss, fun different boss. The DLC is great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe yeah, maybe we'll include some of that. Yeah, I like some of the arena stuff as well, like some of the some of the um, the challenges as well. So um, yeah. the uh, the kind of like level, like the the tree challenge, um, yeah. I liked a lot. Where he kind of builds up, but yeah, no. Anyway, so so my point is like as as you kind of listen to our future episodes here, I think you'll get a feel for for like especially as the, as if as the game's shorter, we'll probably be able to kind of break it down. So 
like I'm not saying positive or negative. I'm just saying like we'll be able to kind of get into the weeds of very specific things and not kind of be all over the place, which I think this episode, just the sheer scope of the game makes it a lot harder to focus. Uh, you, you have like a general commentary, but it's not, we don't have the time to be like, okay, let, let's talk about the first 10 hours. And then now let's talk about the next 20, 10 hours. You know, we yeah, don't really course. have that. Uh, or, or like, you know, let's talk about each divine beast individually, <laughs> you know, and break down <laughs> what we think of the whole plot from beginning to end there. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe if we're, I, I think we'll, we'll take, it'll take, take us long enough that we probably won't uh go back to it but uh maybe one day we'll we'll revisit this game maybe we'll revisit visit this game after we've kind of completely played through tears of the kingdom and then see if our thoughts have changed that might be interesting yeah um i mean i didn't do that on another show uh with a similar format no. <laughs> um anyway from matt myself and tristan who's here uh if not in actually spirit. at least in spirit uh we'll see y'all next time Bye-bye. see ya Oh,